I'm so glad uh, I'm so glad to have you on like it's been uh, it's been long overdue uh, I'm surprised that it's taken until our 30th night rule to be joined by the wonderful uh, Rariki Hutchinson um, of Weekly Marks um, I mainly know you from uh, your Weekly Marks reading group uh, but uh, you're from New Zealand you're based in the UK you're a general uh, man about town I think you have a lot of uh, good good interesting takes on a lot of a wide variety of subjects so welcome to night rule Rariki Oh, wonderful. Good to be here, Isaac. Uh, really uh, love listening to the show and it's great to, great to join you for a conversation. Yeah, I have my orange pico, my cup of orange pico here, so I feel proper. Um, I do want to go on an extended, oh, nice. I do want to go on an extended rant about monarchy for some reason. Um, I don't know if it's because of the news lately and whatnot, but um, also uh, you, uh, people can follow you at, uh, at Weekly Marks on Twitter. Uh, you do like a, it's on Saturdays you guys meet, right? On the David Feldman Show Discord? Uh, yeah, we, we actually um, tend, tend to have um, a regular segment on uh, David's show. Uh, and also we have a reading group at 4.30 Eastern Standard Time on Sundays, uh, run by our good friend, um, Adnan Hussain, Professor Adnan Hussain. So um, a little bit of Canada there. Yeah, yeah. The true North, strong and free. Um, do you think, I've been thinking about this lately, you know, because I think uh, for a certain subset of the population, when they hear the word Marx, um, their brains kind of turn off and they just uh, immediately dismiss the person they're listening to. Um, Whereas there's probably other people who, when they hear someone's uh, refer to Marx, it's a signal to them that they should listen to this person. And it's just like an emblem of like credibility somehow. But I wonder if like there's a, the, the needle that's, that's, that needs to be threaded. Like it's kind of a forbidden text in some ways. I think, I think maybe what, what people need to do is read Marx, but then pretend like they didn't, <laughs> you know, just like use the ideas, <laughs> use the analysis. Cause ultimately like it's a book like any other, right? I mean, I heard someone jokingly refer to it as the holy book, uh, Das Kapital, the other day. And I was just like, man, that is like the least funny joke I've ever heard. Because I'm sure Marx himself yeah. would have been like, dude, like, what the fuck, man? Because it's, no, it's yeah. not about a rigid like set of ideologies. It's about just like uh, method of analysis and philosophy and kind of questioning um, 
lived experience and, and, and whatnot, things like the economy, economics. And, you know, I mean, why shouldn't someone read a great work of, of thought or literature that's out there in the world, you know? And I think the mature way to think about it is, you know, you, of course you read Marx um, as, you, as much as you read anything else to interact with the ideas. But then I think you have to go into, I think right now you still have to go into the world, e even in this day and age, and basically just not own up to the fact that you read Karl Marx because people will just dismiss you out of hand. Like, he, yeah, uh, like uh, Keynes, for example, Keynes probably clearly read Marx, although he claimed not to. It's kind of like the thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, the, the great thing about Marx is that it's uh, it's an ongoing um, look at that uh, Hegelian dialectic and um, the whole the whole purpose of what he's done is he's uh, created a scientific way of looking at that and created that historical uh, materialism in a dialectic. And uh, him and Engels have created this way of viewing the world, which is a progressive um, vision of how the world and humanity has evolved inside it. And, um, you know, fundamentally, it's a, it's a philosophical scientific view of the world that you know goes way past the the basic understandings of um you know the the adam smith um david ricardo's sense of economy into political economy and beyond so it's about social interactions and actually understanding those senses helps you put in place um, particularly uh, that we're in the throes of capitalism have been for 300 years but definitely for the last 50 and the last 100, it's been the dominant form globally. So to understand that inside this um, Marxian conception is really important for how you choose to live your life, how you choose to interact with others and how you choose to create social interaction. Now, for us, you know, we, we speaking in a... Uh, Commonwealth British Imperial sense. Um, just one, we one, come second, from one second. I think your home. microphone is brushing up against something. Just it could it be my okay. beard. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I just got a haircut. Um, okay, so uh, continue though. Yeah, I just want to give you a heads up. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really, I think, an important um, starting point inside our Commonwealth uh, take on, on the world. You know, we come from a very strongly capitalistic uh, society, but also we come from the place where Marx and Engels did their analysis. You know, my family are from the north of England uh, and, uh, you know, I read Capital with our reading group. You know, there's 20 to 40 of us going in the circle, uh, reading through that and we're, we're on to, we're past volume one, we're into other essays, but I'm reading Marx and I'm looking at things, places I know. I've been to Manchester, I've, mm. you know, my, my, you know, back-to-back -back terraces in Leeds are where my people are from. So, you know, the poverty, the exploitation and the, and the ways that people have tried to deal with that are very visible. If you live in, you know, cities like Baltimore or, um, you know, I guess uh, Toronto, Montreal, you come from that historical past and you can see, see the tracks of it when you when you get a little bit more into the Californian perhaps Vancouver you're, you're not in that sort of sense you're in a sense of this created um, space man space which is isn't reflective of how that basic accumulation began
So you, mm. you know, I think I think it's there I think it's uh, interesting. All these buildings here, all these buildings here are hundred years old, and we have like two of them. Yeah, it's like it's still terrible. Yeah, lovely. It's like it's like fresh, fresh earth in some ways. I mean, certainly thought of that way. Obviously, um, people were dispossessed yeah. <laughs> for that to become uh, a yeah. free space. But um, it is interesting. So you're saying that like when if you're reading Marx in the UK and looking at kind of the the industrial heartland of the UK. Or former industrial heartland in some in, in a lot of cases, um, you can just really see the kind of tableau right there in front of your eyes, eh? Hundred percent. I mean, you know, if you haven't visited uh, uh, Great Britain, um, it's it's well worth it. And um, you know, I think it does help translate that sense of place and and time um you know unfortunately for a lot of people you're sitting in the middle of arizona you don't get that consistent form in your mind you don't see it but um marx isn't necessarily something that's 150 years old and irrelevant uh, his writings actually i think you know we commented the other week that um a lot of what is said and and those things are, are sort of brushed off as being irrelevant because they're, well, I mean, they're written Freud, in the is, sorry to interrupt but is freud irrelevant you know is darwin irrelevant like no yeah. like these are these are thinkers at the birth of the modern era you know i mean yeah, even exactly. even just to understand it as literature you, you can appreciate it on a level of literature if you want to on on oh, on that level alone but um Marx is actually it. hilarious if you know your history totally. yeah. <laughs> and, and, his, and, his, and, and he just totally destroys um, the, the classical uh, economist of his time. You know, he really yeah. is uh, hilarious. But if you don't know your history, then it's it's just a pop at somebody who you don't know who it is and you have no context. That's why reading in a group is the best way to do it. Because then so people should reach get out the joke and we'll share it with you. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, it, it, it's a it's a text that lends itself to a kind of group analysis because I think I think it's probably easy for people to misread it, you know, to like read it like a, some kind of orthodoxy yeah. when in fact it's really just like a method of analysis kind of applied to the world where things are uh, collapsed. They contain kind of internal divisions or dynamics. Uh, you yeah. know, you take them to a level of abstraction to try and understand these dynamics and then again they're collapsed into mm. some kind of material kind of form you know obviously starting with the commodity i will say though i've never actually read marx myself so uh i, I disavow any knowledge hey, of marx. well i mean you've come along <laughs> to a couple of the a couple of the uh readings and and enjoyed it so you know i, I think it, it's, it's difficult you know i i remember and sort of wrote that as one of my first posts for this is i was about 15 in auckland where i come from in new zealand and we have a great general library and I just you know I come from a, a, a very strong socialist union family and um, I thought I'll go down to the library and get capital and read it and then I got there and there's like three of these massive tombs and I just thought oh I just can't do that <laughs> do you know what I mean I'm not, sure. I'm not a silly, like not a silly lad but hmm. precisely precisely yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm joking. Of course, I have I have read Marx, thankfully. Um, but I'm but outside of Night Rule, thankfully, no one will ever listen to this, so no one will know my secret shame that I'm reading the Forbidden Texts. Um, I wanted to ask you though, just because it is on my mind a lot. Ever since you know, I guess I guess it's true that white people really do love Oprah. So I guess because she interviewed hate Megan and Harry, it's going to be on my mind for a while now. But just the absurdity of an institution like uh, monarchy. I mean, obviously, the uh, quote unquote. Duke of Edinburgh 
passed away today. I really think the fact that we call him the Duke of Edinburgh is is where a lot of his a lot of the power lies. You know, naming is really powerful. Just think of Starbucks. There's a great anime called Spirited Away where the villain uh, makes people forget their names, and that's how she kind of controls them. I feel as though the fact that we actually, in in, in all in all seriousness, people say things like the Duke of Edinburgh or the whatever prince of wales and whatnot it's like these aren't these people aren't dukes or princes of anything they're people who think they're dukes and princes of things it's like in in a more rational context they'd be in an institution because they have delusions of grandeur right it's just that we've institutionalized those delusions of grandeur now i don't want to be I, I know it's it's not good to speak ill of the recently dead and i'm sure as an individual philip or whatever his name is <laughs> was you know could have been a very nice guy and it's obviously extremely painful for anyone any family to lose someone uh, and have someone pass. So I think it's important to recognize that people can be whatever, they can be fantastic individuals, even if they're with, even if they inhabit an institution that itself is monstrous. And I think in this day and age, certainly when it comes to European monarchy, maybe let's just, uh, let's just delineate that. I think really this needs to be done away with and phased out because it's, it's really ridiculous. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if we're going to keep it, we should have like the LA King should become the monarchs of the United States of America and Anze Kopitar and the other hockey players. People should be forced to watch hockey and, and, and swear fealty to hockey players. Can you imagine how painful that would be? I think that would, the, long-term that might actually undermine the institution hopefully, but it, it's, it, it makes as much sense to me to have the LA Kings involved in government policy as it does for Prince Charles to be involved in, in, in government policy in the UK. Well, my uncle's from Edmonton, so I'm sure you'd prefer an Oilers uh, uh, patron or uh, head of state but um yeah hashtag uh, and, and, dynasty on my hockey podcast <laughs> <laughs> beautiful i i love it but i don't understand what you're talking about when you're on it um it's, <laughs> it's 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 an absolute fantastic time for us i mean there's compassion and empathy for the loss of a human soul and hey i've got my personal thoughts of um prince philip and you know, I, I, I don't uh, I don't know him personally. I know people who do know him. Um, I'm not going to say, hey, he was a great guy or he wasn't. He did lots of things uh, and he said lots of silly things and he probably, you know, he probably um, in his duties as a as a, a functionary of the monarchy, he's done lots of positive things, but he also is the consort to an imperial ruler. So, you know, we have to put that in context. The other thing, too, coming from a position that we are both subjects of uh, that monarchy, you know, you in Canada, me either in New Zealand or, or in the UK, you know, I think it's a good time for us, particularly with regards to Megan and um, Harry uh, and the, the innate racism of the institution and, and the, what is the necessity? They fulfil a very simple role as to be a head of state that basically agrees to and as a figurehead um, well i mean uh, what yeah like what have what have you done for me lately that's what i'm asking like at least the la kings have entertained me yeah. with some nice passing place and some slap shots to roof side but like what has the fucking monarchy really done for us lately other than kind of insert themselves needlessly into the conversation you know due to the grandeur and the kind of mystique of of the institution itself that stretches back a long ways and there's a proud history you know like i'm, I'm not i don't want to say yeah you know it's it's very nice that someone's great-grandfather of 500 years ago murdered a baby in its crib so they could ascend the throne or killed five of his brothers so he could ascend the throne or or uh you know subjugated the uh the contiguous landmass through some kind of like feudal mm -hmm. power grab 
I'm not you've, saying that's you've not got half the novel written already. Nice. You know, it's uh, it's it's a bestseller. Uh, what can I say? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He just that Martin guy. He's just a plagiarist of of our royal family. But I I'm fully with you. I I sort of have been ambivalent to the royal family, in that we need a head of state. Okay, we've got this one. Um, with what's happened over the last several years, the the fact that we're just instituting, particularly in the UK, uh, the hallmark, the the cornerstone of the establishment, we we actually need to get rid of it now um, because I don't think it's it's a positive thing for the democracy in our in, in the UK, and I you know like hey you can keep her as um, your head of state and when she passes, you can make a decision if you want a Canadian-born president or a person who fulfills a role for five years and you change democratically. I mean, hereditary monarchies are a feudal institution that are no longer relevant. And um, you can't say it's because they bring in money for our tourism. You know, hey, it's irrelevant to our well, lives. Uh, the, the LA Kings bring in a lot of gate revenue, you know, for their arena. Yeah, sure. But like, it, it's not as though if we forced everyone to cheer for them, can you imagine the torture we'd be putting people through to force them to watch hockey that much just as on a national level? I mean, that's what it's yeah, like it, to be a citizen. Hey, in the hey, hey. We have to I admit, we, we, I, we're I, being I no, I've got to double check you on this, mate. Didn't, didn't Gretzky pay for the Kings? That's true. Yeah. Oh, if, if Gret, maybe yeah, if Gretzky I mean, was if Gretzky was the head of state, that might actually might actually have something there. I might get on board. Um, I'm, I might I might support you on that, mate. I might send you a donation for for Gretzky. I, that's the one hockey player I like. Uh, Gretzky and, for King. You know, oh, that's a great hashtag. Gretzky. I mean, um, yeah, well, it makes well, about Gretzky as much for sense. The life life president. You know, we are given, living given, very much uh, institutions life. <laughs> We are very much living in a time of like nepotism. Like ne we're re-entering a golden age of nepotism. I feel like in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, like anywhere you look, um, you see the progeny of uh, of of someone. You know, like it's 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 just it's, it's omnipresent. I feel like it wasn't that way in the '90s. I don't I don't recall seeing progeny of so and so on like every TV show, for example. Um, or in like every it existed movie. but it just they weren't so brash about it i think now they're, it's um, though it's, they're, it's they're proud to like be a, the front yeah it's a credential now it, it went from being yeah. something that you're like oh you know don't really want to point it out it's kind of a faux pas to point it out to being like oh well i'm i'm the son of so-and-so i'm the son of a doctor you're not going to take the advice of the son of a doctor <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly thank you, thank you Larry I'm, David. I'm going Going to Harvard to uh, to learn uh, sociology. You should trust me. It's yeah. Uh, yeah uh, hey, it's 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 one of those things. I think um, we need to make decisions uh, in the Commonwealth and and in um, the UK on what future we want. And we have to start uh, forcing democracy at every level. And I think um, one of those key things is the symbols that we have. You know, we've had a lot of conversations around. Um, Churchill, his his role in genocide, his role in famine, his role in absolutely, you know, just a whole lot of terrible things. But you know, hey, he was the face that said lots of lovely things during World War Two. Well, we need to and then when all yeah, the soldiers came back, they voted him out. We need to take take hold of like our symbolism a little bit more. Like, I mean, I think if, if a figure like and this will never happen, but if a figure like an Elizabeth was to truly say, you know what, it's time to. Kind of retire this institution i'm going to step aside and instead of just her face on 
the currency it was like a, a picture of her like you know handing passing the baton or so so to speak or something like like even monarch monarchs could become some emblems of democracy if they cede their power i mean like yeah that's really the last the last hand i think they have to play like i don't i don't see outside of some kind of horrible uh like apocalyptic hellscape mad max style where there's like a you know there's actual like feudal fife fiefdoms fighting each other with machine guns uh, across like a nuclear wasteland. Um, I just don't I don't see it in the cards for for the monarchs to really be in the position they're in now. I just I just think we've really outgrown it. You know. Yeah, yeah. We we you know Europe has a few monarchs. You, know, you have a monarch in Sweden and Belgium. and Denmark and Belgium. Uh, the Netherlands I think still has a monarch, but. They're, they're, they're so far removed constitutionally that they're, they really are just a person who lives in a, in a palace. Um, and, and that's... Yeah. Just that, go get a penthouse in Manhattan like everyone else. You don't need your own palace. It's just make it to a museum, for fuck's sakes. Like, it's beautiful architecture. Let's get some yeah. asses in the seats. Like, we're, we're wasting yeah, yeah. resources, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think that's, that's the way it moves. You know, it's quite strange, the relationship... Um, in places like France with aristocrats and, and that type of thing. Or, you know, I, I know some guys from, um, you know, part of the Romanov sort of set from uh, Russia that had been in the UK wow. for a hundred and something years. Sure, and, yeah. And they're, and they're yeah. you know, they still have all the grandeur and they still probably have a little bit of economic power or whatever, but they're not going to go... To Putin and say, well, I expect you to treat me like a, you know, a, a comtesse or a count or something. They, they just accept their role as, um, as it's a, it's a lovely thing to have, a, to be able to wear this nice, um, you know, sort of suit once a, once a year and go to a ball. That's what it should be, you know. That's hey, fine, and that's you, fine. You, yeah. you know, if I want to, if I want to put on my Ella King's jersey and go downtown, that's fine. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that away from anybody just because I'm an Oilers fan, but like, it should not yeah. be tied yeah. to the state ultimately. Um, yeah, there should listen, be let's start power. The, yeah. Well, uh, and, and I think, you know, especially, I think people have kind of, it's been delayed. The, the decline of it has really been delayed, I think on a cultural level, um, you know, in a Marxian sense, you could say in the superstructure. I think people have really been fooled into thinking that, you know, I mean, Roman Holiday, for example, beautiful film, just a touching work of art. Absolutely loved it. Audrey Hepburn, magical. Uh, I think it's Gregory Peck as her love interest. Also fantastic, although far too old for a woman her age as a love interest. Thank you, Hollywood. Um, and Beauty and the Beast, wonderful production all around. I love all the musical numbers. Um, you know, fantastic work by Jerry Orbach. Rest in peace. I love you. But, you know, it's time. It's time. I don't, I don't want to see someone wearing a crown on my money. I want to, I want to look at my money and see something else. Whatever else, it's fine. It could be like a tree, you know? A tree yeah. would have more significance to me. More relevance get, to my day-to-day -day life. Some redwoods or uh, whatever is, uh, is most, um, most uh, apparent in the, uh, in, on uh, the island of Vancouver, you know? It's, sure. It is a, it is a time to reconsider. And it's a good thing because the question actually poses other questions. It's, you know, like for us, do we need a House of Lords? Do we need a second um, house in our parliament? You know, totally, one totally. elected body, you know, what a great idea. Um, proportional representation or direct democracy, you know, we can start asking more questions. And it's really, um, it's really 
something that you can only do if you pose this question, you know, because Absolutely. everything well, we else have to, well, we've always done. We have to uninstall the old software before we can put in the new operating system. And I'm sorry, but this the, the monarchist code was written in fucking iambic pentameter like centuries ago, you know, in Anglo in, in, in neo Anglo Saxon. Like it sounds, it's like it's like reading Chaucer, you know. Like we yeah. have we have computers now, we have telephones. You know, they didn't have fucking mail. They didn't have the mail for fuck's sakes. And we're still, you know, this is still the entrenched institution. Like, uh, I could go on oh, about hey, it for uh, days. We've got a. Well, let's let's do that. I mean, we've got a really interesting political movement happening at the moment uh, in the north of England, where Scotland's basically is already technically a, an independent um, state. It's sure. it has its own um, its own parliament, which is a, a very historic thing. And the Scottish National Party is what it is. The Scottish National Party is the yeah party in um in SNP. Uh, yeah. Well, in, in power, they have well, they have well in excess of half the seats in the in the parliament. Mm -hmm. In the Westminster um, seats of fifty nine, they have like about 53, 52-53. Totally destroyed Labour, which was the the main party of the North or of mm -hmm. Scotland. And now in Northern England, there's a by election on the sixth of May. We have our local and Scottish and Welsh elections. Uh, and on the sixth of May, there's a by election in Hartlepool, which is a very old Labour seat has been since 1945 and um, there's a party running in it called the Northern Independence Party which is a democratic socialist party it's sort of come from a whole lot of northern folk uh, out of Twitter and they've just created this party they, they've they've got the third in a, in a um, poll that was run they got the third highest um, count above the Lib Dems and the uh, Brexit party. Uh, so, you know, they're running third, even even though it's quite low, it's like two or 3%. Um, but they're actually there and they're actually got momentum. And it's one of these interesting things where that Westminster consensus in the UK is really just completely breaking down under um, our good friend, uh, Prime Minister Johnson. So mm -hmm. it's quite an exciting time from a perspective of we still have a Trump. So... Right. <laughs> You know, and, and we've got a very ineffective Labour government, which what's your equivalent to Labour? Because the Libs aren't mm, really... It doesn't really translate that well, because to be honest, there's the, the Liberal Party in Canada is kind of just the quote unquote national governing or natural governing party. They've really governed for like 75% of the history of the country. So they're, but they're sure. a little more, they're much more centrist than Labour in the UK for sure. And, in, and they kind of have their own yeah. set of like a tapestry of kind of policies and and things that they're about so that's a whole other discussion um that's interesting we'll have to honestly we have to have you on, on again soon it took way too long for me to invite you on so i apologize about that but um uh we definitely have to have uh we definitely should talk more about that and we'll we'll continue our quest to bring down monarchy i mean i think if there's one thing that's appropriate for a night rule it's for the anti-monarchists to have some fun and imagine a world uh you know post uh dilapidated uh decaying european dynasties yeah, all for abolish the monarchy. Thank you for that, Isaac. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, we're going to be launching on YouTube pretty soon, everybody. So I think Rariki will have to have you on for the Night Rule Spectacular YouTube launch in the coming in the coming weeks here, if you're uh, amenable. Thank you so much for your time, brother. Always a pleasure Always talking. Amenable. Thanks, brother. Take care. Okay, take care.